What is up, designers, and welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Dallas Prater. And in this episode, I, man, I just went absolutely crazy. The gist of this episode and what I wanted to discuss before I started going off the rails and ranting was that a lot of people in the wake of their communications, the statements and the things that they say out of their mouth, reveal their subconscious limits, okay? One of the examples, you could analyze if you do this to yourself, okay? And one of the things that, you know, that, that indicated like on Twitter, you know, people said, oh, Joe Biden's taxing 60% and a few people were mad and a lot of people weren't, okay? And the people who weren't mad were attacking the people who were mad saying you don't even make $400,000 per year. This is a great thing because it doesn't even affect you. And those statements, you know, show that the people who were happy about the 60% tax project that in the next four years of Joe Biden's presidency that they won't even get to that level. They subconsciously project that. They're saying, hey, you make 18000 Why are you even mad about this? Can you do math? It's only for people who make $400,000 and above. But that person that makes 18000 who's mad at that tax, he thinks he's going to make 400000 in the next four years. He believes that about himself. See, the things that you say, your communications, in the wake of your communications are clues to what it is that you believe within your subconscious. Okay? True story. True, true story. Okay? And so that's what this podcast episode is all about. And then it, we, at the beginning of the episode, it goes even further. Because people who have limitations and in, in, in viruses and bugs like that in their subconscious that are crushing their life and, and, and the lives that they can live and their potential, uh, the ideas that they produce for society are often of that same light. Restricting and limiting and crushing people into their paradigm, their low-level paradigm in the ways that they envision the world that are uh, restrictive of people's freedoms and individuality, okay? It's, it's, it's a fascinating episode. It, it really is. But without further ado, man, I'm going to actually just let you listen to the episode and all I have to say because, man, I, yeah, come on now. All right, so without further ado, I'm going to listen to the episode. If you're someone who's reasonably, I don't want any cuckoos, it's reasonably against forms of censorship and, 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 and uh, cancel culture and, and you know that beautiful stuff. I have a Facebook group. I want to bond with you. I want to talk with you. I want to be around you because you're my type of people and we got a war to wage. Now, I say that just in a funny way. I don't mean like a real war. I don't want any cuckoos, okay? Uh, I don't want any... I'm not fear-mongering. It's not an actual war. It, come on. It's just words. It's just a game. It's not a real war, okay? It's not a real problem. Life will be the same now as it... It'll be better in the future regardless of anything we do in this group. <laughs> okay, we're not like the Avengers or the Renegades or anything like that. Um, but yeah, if you want to chat about things like that, I got a Facebook group. It's called, they're called the Surviving the Cancel Group. Okay, and I want you to sign up. Uh, go and join me in the group and talk. I'm going to be releasing videos and podcast episodes in that group and cool things. Also, if you join the group, I'll give you my free book called The Designer Manifesto. Uh, I'll send it over to you. It's, a, it's an amazing book. It'll talk about design and things like that. I'm not trying to be too long winded with this pitch. So here's the podcast episode. I hope you enjoy it. It's Dallas and the Grand Design, and I'm uh, I'm heading out. How do people like us, the visionaries, the creatives, real people with real ideas, people who don't have mass budgets, platforms, or teams, and people who live in this noisy world dominated by internet gurus, influencers, and big brands, the people attempting to make a dream on our own dollar? How do we get our ideas to pierce through all the noise in not only a massive, but a massively profitable way? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dallas, and this is Grand Design, the podcast about taking the ideas in your head, pushing them out into the world, and forming mass movements.
what's up designers um it's another beautiful night it's only about 9 p.m. today here in LA pitch black I'm walking through the parking garage hope as always you enjoy the ambience of the city it's a little more loud because it's not the a.m. but still hope it make for a great episode hope it makes for a great episode the vision if you've been listening to this podcast you know that I want to impose on this reality that we live in is what this podcast is named after. You know, it's a vision that I call the grand design. And I haven't always been able to, to describe the grand design in the most clearest terms. But in a nutshell, I think I've finally been able to describe it. The idea behind it all is louder but closer. Okay? I want people to be louder but closer. Okay? That's why I always say in the early episodes, a symptom of the grand design is that we live in a world where we have no separate countries or borders or, or anything like that. Because everyone will be able to be loud and express their identity and express their opinion and still be close to one another. You won't have anybody trying to censor you or stomp you out or cancel you or hate you for the things that you feel. Okay, right now in the world, we're loud. You know, America's loud about the fact that it's America. Black people are loud about the fact that they're black. White people are loud about the fact that they're white. But everybody's driven apart. Everybody's divided. Now, I don't think the division is as bad as some people make it out to be. We live in a great and beautiful world for the most part. There are evils going on in a lot of other countries. Like, you know, um, I've heard some other countries have, you know banned being gay and they're putting them in concentration camps uh similar fate for muslims in these different countries and i plan one day you know on the other side of things to build a militia hopefully to stamp out some of these evils that are going on in the world but as a whole i think the world is pretty beautiful and pretty all right it's a great and decent place but i think people can be even better with the ways they empathize with and understand each other I want people in this world, as I'm saying, to be louder but closer. A world where everybody understands the height of their potential and is able to produce messages to rally the world and the people around them and even the people that aren't around them towards their cause in a way that's effective and can actually make it into a reality. Like how, you know, that's essentially what's going on with large corporations. They have a cause. Like Elon Musk, electric cars so we can have a cleaner world. And he's rallying all the employees and all the different factions of his company that are providing capital. The U.S. government that provided a loan for them. He's rallying everybody behind this cause. And he's living out the height of his potential. If everybody could live out the height under, realize within themselves the height of their potential and rally the world behind it, uh, we would live in such a beautiful place. You know, if everybody could reach their Elon Musk level, you know, we would have people doing people who care like super hard about the homeless and the homelessness issue that that is going on in places throughout the world. They would be able to solve it because they would be able to realize that, you know, how much they can do for that issue. And then they would be able to rally people behind it to actually assist them in the goal because we can't do anything alone. They would be able to be louder and bring people closer. And so the things that they believed in. The designs that they wanted to manifest into the future and into the world will be realized maybe even essentially overnight, you know. And so that is essentially what I call, you know, that is essentially the idea behind what I'm describing. I want people to be 
louder but closer when every designer can realize their designs because they realize the height of their potential and the message is used to bond people together then the world that results when every designer maximizes his or her potential to design that is called the grand design where we all can be loud to our highest capacity and closer and so when you can be loud in the fact of your identity even and the things that you believe in and the things that you want to push there will no longer be a, a reason for the things that divide us there will be no longer any need to have distinction between countries and you know all these different things you know there's distinction between states but it's not like we're separate people it's not like we could potentially even war you know and even that could get better um that was a little um uh, you know that that little four minute spiel i just went on i'm laying the foundation for the rest of this episode and if I had an announced in the intro already, what I want to talk about in this episode is something that I touched out upon in the last episode. I want people to be louder but closer. I want people to have a maximum ability to bring their designs into this world and, and understand how it is that it can craft their ideas and messages in a way that people get along, you know, get on board with what it is that they see that no one else can see. Okay, and this is important to me and probably you also because I grew up feeling things that were unnatural to feel according to the status quo and the society around me. And I want to learn badly how I can get people to understand these things and feel these things because they could better their lives. But one of the things, problems that we run into in reality is, like I said in the last episode, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Okay? And so, while there are a lot of evil people in the world, okay, that want to suppress other people's ideas from the pure fact that they're evil, I think a lot of people are loud in their truth and they get opposition strictly for the fact that they're mistaken in their opinion or the opposition are mistaken in their opinions of what it is that you're trying to do. Now I know that's not the best way to say that, but essentially a lot of people have a lot of ideas and they're loud about it, but they're causing a division because they're, you know, it's good that they're loud and it's good they're attempting to rally people. But the idea itself and the way they want to proceed about it is flawed and probably infringes on someone else's rights or something in their freedoms and the ones, things that they want for the world and things like that. An example of that is like I was talking about in the last podcast, so socialism. People who believe in the socialist way, uh, in my personal opinion, they're mistaken. Okay, and so while they're being loud, essentially what they're saying is they want to censor and cancel those of us in society who are entrepreneurs, who are designers, who are built different from the rest of the populace. You want the worker to be the only person. You're infringing upon someone's freedoms. You're infringing upon people's rights. You're infringing on, up, up, upon the, the very idea that people can be whoever they want in their lives. Okay, and so you'll have a lot of roads going to hell. Your idea is a road that's heading to hell. And so one of the things that we have to do with this podcast and with this world, if we want to approach this idea of louder but closer, is to better differentiate which roads will lead us to hell. Which roads are paved with good intentions but are, by their very nature, hell-bound. Okay? And so one of the things I think is important to state is that a lot of these roads uh, and a lot of these things that people believe in go awry. Um because people haven't realized internally their highest potential okay and this is one of my biggest pet peeves and this is something that grinds my gears probably more than anything else in reality okay people haven't realized their highest potential okay there's a lot of stifling there's a lot of nastiness there's a lot of hurt and pain 
uh, and pure biology instinct and need to survive under the surface driving what it is that they believe is the way out okay like people in the society want socialism not because they have everything they want in life and they want to help people but instead because they they have these negative emotions boiling under the surface because of a survival situation maybe they're poor and they want more maybe they're starving maybe they're embarrassed about where they are in society and their class and the status quo and these negative emotions are driving the social uh, the political and economic system that they want okay they haven't realized their highest potential you know if you had everything in life that you could ever want and you're completely content and all you have to give is joy and happiness and positivity that's when you realize your highest potential okay that's when you're thinking clearly okay there are a lot of pain and a lot of negative emotions and a lot of drivers under the surface that come to surface and in a subconscious way you know on the, on the forefront you might not realize it but subconsciously you're attacking the people that you feel as if you're against you know and that's my problem with cancel culture some people deserve to be canceled okay but in a society where people are so stifled and hurt and pain by all the things that they're experiencing so driven by instinct and survival and, and, and urgency and scarcity and all these different factors you know a lot of the people that we cancel are people we misunderstand because we're not full in our own selves we can't we simply can't resonate with them because they're 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 at a higher frequency because they're at a higher uh you know emotional place you know a, pl a higher place emotionally a higher place in life they see a different clarity they're at an entirely different paradigm okay and so you know what i was saying with this podcast though i, I kind of confused myself right there getting a little too wordy so let me peel it back um i think what i'm saying right here can be best summed up and with a kendrick lamar line one of my favorite Kendrick Lamar lines that I really just look back on and, and think like, how did you even say that the way you said it? You know, this dude is so wise beyond his years, man. He said, it's hard to channel your energy when you know you crooked. Okay? It's hard to channel your energy when you know you crooked. You know? It's hard to channel energy if you are crooked. Okay? And the, one of the things that paves these roads to hell is a lot of people are coming with the you know projecting what they want out of life but because they are crooked because they are so burdened by the pains and the toils of their life you know subconsciously you know it's selfish subconsciously it's attacking i mean if you think about it like this you know let's say you cut off a limb or something like that let's say let's say you're in poverty you're absolutely poor one of the things that you want more than anything you know because i, I believe poverty and poorness and pain uh, inherently causes a short-sightedness you know uh, I think that's just human nature I think that's the nature of all animals if if you know if you're drowning or something like that if you're in immense pain like that if you're drowning you're likely not worried about saving or helping anybody else in the world you're thinking selfishly you think about I want to survive if you're drowning in debt if you're struggling to eat you're not probably having altruistic thoughts like, oh, I want to help my neighbor. I want to, you know, if you see a piece of steak on the floor, like think about like the movies. Like there's this movie. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. It's a movie. It's, it's, it's uh, what movie it is. I think it's the Spanish movie um, where it's these levels like it's a hundred like they're in this uh, in this prison. OK, and the prison is set up like a skyscraper. OK, there are different floors. OK, it's a hundred like 300 floors or something like that. And in the, it's a big square cutout in the middle of, of the floor. So let's say like you're in a studio apartment, right? And on top of you, there's a studio apartment. And on top of you, there's a studio apartment. But there's an elevator that comes down the center of your room every single day. 
but the elevator is just like it's not a real elevator let's say there's a, a square cut out in the center of your studio apartment okay and there's a square cut out in the center of everyone's studio apartment and so there's a hole in the middle of your apartment and you there's a level above you and there's a level below you and you can see all the way to the end and there's a slab of concrete that serves as a quote-unquote elevator that comes down each level of the apartment every single day okay and so in this movie on that slab that floats down to each level every single day like each floor has a, a hole in the in the center of the floor uh, in a hole in the center of the room if you want to call it that and a slab of concrete floats down and visits each level every single day okay you can look up you can see the people above you through the hole in the floor you can look down and see the people below you and so what happened in this movie is that uh, the food come like there's food but there's a limited quantity of food and it, it originates at the top level and it's like a feast like turkey like everything that you could think of eating comes down on this slab okay and it visits each floor the people on the level above you um they can eat you can eat as much as is on that slab okay so um i believe in this in this particular film the food came down every single day okay but remember there are like 300 floors or something like that and there are people on each floor and so what happened was the f the slab of food would visit the first floor and there would be so much to eat on it and the people on the first floor would eat as much as they possibly could and then the people on the uh, on the you know would go to the second floor and they would eat as much as possible as they possibly could. And by the time it got like the tenth, twelfth, thirtieth, fiftieth floor, there would be nothing to eat for the people on all the two hundred fifty levels below the fiftieth floor. And it's a really fascinating movie. I'm going to find the name of it. Uh, it may be included after this if I can. But uh, you know, but every few days, what happens is, uh, you know. The lights in the room that you're in turn red so the lights on every floor turn red and the people on each floor every floor is gassed and they wake up at a different level so one day you might wake up and you're on level two okay and then the next time you go to sleep you might wake up and you're on level 300 okay and take note if you were on level 50 before you pretty much were eating scraps you were eating like whatever the people on the 50 levels above you ate they didn't like if you're on 50 you had nothing to eat Okay, so when you wake up on level, you probably might have not have thought you were going to live. And so, if you wake up at level one, after being on level 50, you're starving and you don't know where you're going to wake up next time. You're probably going to eat as much as possible because you're so hungry. And the people above you might have been on lower levels than you. And that's why they ate as much as possible when you were on a lower level. Okay, and so you have this system where people are waking up on different levels. And consistently, the people on the higher levels in them eat as much as possible because they don't know where they're going to wake up in this prison the next time if you wake up on level like 250 you like there there will be no food so if you and, and you could wake up on a lower level twice so you could wake up on level 250 and then wake up on level 230 and then you pretty much be fucked like you would probably starve and die um and you never know you know and on obviously on the lower levels level two like on lower levels where there was no food making it that far down people would just like eat like like no people would eat each other is what i'm saying people would kill each other people would eat each other people would kill themselves and jump to their death they would do all types of things because when people are starving because when people don't have money because when people are living in poverty their mind retracts to the mind of an animal it focuses on survival and you can see this uh literally documented in science with the as everyone always talks about the maslow's hierarchy of needs when you're you're ha you have to complete and fulfill a certain level like uh one of the you know, the Maslow's hierarchy needs is a pyramid 
and there are six or five or something, five I believe levels to that pyramid, six in some models, okay? And you need to complete the level on the pyramid that you're on to proceed to the next level and start to worry about other things, okay? And so what this movie essentially demonstrates is that the people in this prison, they were on the lowest level of the pyramid. They were focused on physiological needs, which is like food and water. And when your brain is in a place where it's focusing on food and water because your DNA wants to survive, it wants to make it, you're, it, it what this movie is demonstrating, like you're inherently selfish. And the things that you think, the ideas that you produce, the things that you believe are inherently selfish because you're focusing on eradicating this pain and getting to survival. I mean, if you are in a place where you're starving, you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a plan, you don't know what you're going to do. Uh, you notice, even if you've been poor before, I've been poor in my life, fear creeps into your mindset and you start to have a scarcity mindset. You start to take shortcuts and do things sloppily and start to think less and less about long-term plays and long-term strategies and your dreams and all that things. All you think about sometimes is the next day. All you think about is the next day. I remember when I got kicked out of my parents' house last year, you know, I went to another place and I got, a, got into an argument there and I remember it was about like November something and I left that house and I went to sleep in a field, okay? And I was sleeping in that, like, this was one of the like worst nights like, probably of my life because it's November, it's the, in Maryland, it's the fall time. And it probably was like 20 degrees or something that night. And I, did, I wasn't wearing a coat or anything. I was wearing, I believe, like a hoodie, uh, maybe even a jacket, I don't remember. But it was freaking cold. I remember just being so angry about this argument. I just ran out of the house. Uh, it was pitch black in the middle of the night and I just ran down the street and just kept running and like I was feeling like man It was it was it was a tough day like you know when you feel the depth of an anger that's almost purple Because it's just so dense and dark and you feel so much about it Your blood is just boiling and you just not even thinking you just want to go like wherever wherever you're going You just want to go so I erupted from the house in darkness. I'm running down the street you know, the streetlights are on. I'm running past all these streetlights, looking at other cars. You know, this is like a wider neighborhood, so I'm, a, I'm paranoid. I think people are looking at me. And I run, and I make a left out of the cul-de-sac, uh, or out of the, you know, the you know, neighborhood is kind of like, I don't know what you call it. I make a, a, a the development. I make a left out of the development, and I walk down by, you know, it's the middle of the night. I'm walking down the sidewalk past this house with wooden planks and feeling the wooden planks, and I'm just feeling like, the warmth dissipating from my body and the, and, and the comfort and the security of being in a house and being in a bed, um, just dissipating. Uh, and I'm feeling more and more desperate as I walk on. So I cross the street and I walk up the road by the neighborhood college. It's a real forested area, but leaves are everywhere because it's the middle of the fall. And it's just night, you know how fall nights are. So I walked to a local field and I laid on the ground and just tried to cover myself and ball myself up because by that point in time, this is about 10 minutes later, well, maybe like five minutes later, I'm like basically freezing cold, okay? And like, I don't know, like I'm like, at this point in time, I think I was ghostwriting and so I would ghostwrite 10,000 word books, okay, and get $200 for that. And um, I had basically, I believe it was, a check coming from Fiverr clearing that next morning for $200. And if I could make it to the morning, then I could afford uh, a hotel or maybe the buses weren't running or something like that. But I remember balling up in that field next to like the, um, this little, this, these big rusty baseball, you know, when you play baseball, those, these, these big gates behind the baseball, behind home plate. I was, you know, next to one of those gates, you know, just, just hoping that no one came up and killed me and all those funny things. 
and I was just like shivering, just in the middle of the night, shivering, and on you know on the on the on the verge of absolute tears, because I'm looking up at these stars and like it's quiet and, and and it's barren and it's cold and I'm the only one out here and I don't you know after you know running out from my own family's household I have another conflict and I just feel so defeated and I feel so alone and I feel so freaking cold. Um, at this point in time, it's probably three. 4 a.m. in the morning or something like that and so I continue to freeze and all I'm thinking about at this point in time was just I have to do something like I have to get somewhere warm and so I go from I run I started jogging just to gain some temperature but I started to get tired because I'm out of shape also and I jogged around for a little bit and then I went to this bus stop because the bus stop would at least defend me from the wind that was stripping like literally all the warmth from my flesh and so I went from the, I, st I stayed at the bus stop and I was just desperately looking up on my phone, which the battery of the battery of which was running out. Um, and I, so I kept checking in and out of my phone. At first I had my phone for entertainment at the very least, but then my battery started to get low and I'm just checking over and over and over again to see like where, where near me is opening. Thank God the Lowe's, I think across the street was opening up at about 5 a.m. And so I stayed at the bus stop and it was one of the longest, like this was like, if you ever been freezing cold and outside and have nowhere to go, it is a, a it is it is it is insanely it is not a good experience okay it, like the moments go by so fast i think it was like 30 40 minutes to this lows open like i was like 420 and it opened at like five or something like that and that was the longest 40 minutes of my life i had no money to eat you know i just came from blankets to just sitting on this bus stop the wind is just ripping through even i got even though i got this glass shielding around me i'm sitting at this uh this little developed area, you know, it's a, like markets and plazas and things like that. It's a gas station across the street. Um, it's a Chick-fil-A on the other side. Um, it's just like a like a like a store plaza, and I'm across the street at the bus stop. It's also a store plaza behind me. It's, it's just a, a nice little commercial area. And uh, yeah, I'm just sitting at this bus stop, just absolutely freezing. And so I walk across the street into the gas station because that was 24 hours, but I didn't want to hang around because that's just weird. I walked back over. It's like 20 more minutes to go. And then the lows opened up. I walked into the lows, started walking around, but didn't want to seem weird because I'm extra paranoid at this point in time. I'm walking through all the aisles and things like that. And then I go to the bathroom and pretend to use the bathroom for a few minutes. Oh, man. And then I walked, you know, a few, I believe 30 minutes passed. I didn't want to be weird. So I walked out of the lows. And by that time, the sun was just breaking over the horizon and I was freezing to death. But... I'd had at that point in time just thought, okay, look up the local school. This is the school. It was a community college, CCBC. I had got kicked out of this college with a zero GPA, but I. But since I had been to the college, I knew how the campus was laid out, and I knew that it might be open at this point in time because people were going to school. And so I ran all the way down the street to this community college, and you know, luckily it was open. And so I sat on one of the couches and I slept for a few hours. Um, <laughs> And that was essentially how that story ended. You know, when I was going down to the CCBC, um, the, 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 the sun had started to come up a little more and it started to get a little warm, but it was still ridiculously cold. And then when I woke up, I had $200 in my bank account. And whereas I had long-term plans for this $200, like, because I'm essentially homeless at this point in time, I have long-term plans for this $200, like how I'm going to ration it, how I'm going to eat. The first thing I did when it hit my bank account was I just bought like a hotel. Like I bought like a, um, yeah, I bought a hotel and I bought a bus ticket to go to that hotel. Uh, it was like a $60 hotel or something like that. And uh, yeah, I just blew a bunch of money because I was just out of sheer desperation. And the reason I tell this story, even though it's a completely long-winded story, I thought it might be interesting for you if you're listening. Uh, the reason I tell this story because at the forefront of my mind the entire time, whereas I'm usually like a person that's always thinking about my dreams and goals and what I want to accomplish, the only thing that I cared about when I was at my coldest 
was to be warm and I would spend anything to do it, to have a little bit of food, which I went to the vending machine that day also, I believe. Uh, I would spend anything just to get a lick of food and be at the vending machine. And, and, and that Lowe's and that, 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 that gas station across the street was the only thing on my mind. And there were times that I had so little money, the only thing on my mind was where is this next paycheck gonna come? Where is this next paycheck gonna come from? And in those low moments, of course, I made brash decisions. Of course, I made decisions that hurt other people because my brightest ideas, you know, the things that I thought were great concepts were, you know, probably great, you know, came from great intentions, but my intentions themselves were muddled by the pains and the scarcity and the fear that I was feeling. Okay, so you send great ideas, even great ideas that are formed by great minds, you send them through the lens of people who are experiencing hardship and poverty, and sometimes they cut out, come out muddled because of the fear and the pain that they go through. And the understanding of somebody who's, you know, what's at the forefront of somebody's mind and the understanding, you know, in someone's mind when they're in a low situation, um, it's a lot different than someone who's at the height of their potential. That's pretty much all I'm explaining. You think differently when you're under different pressure, okay? And so people who are lower in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they resonate with different things emotionally, okay? Uh, <laughs> you know, there's this, this thing that uh, is associated with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs that I don't think a lot of people pay attention to. It's like an emotional scale. And like at the bottom of the emotional scale is like um, apathy, I believe. And at the top is like peace. But then as you go up the emotional scale from the bottom to the top, you cross different emotions like anger, jealousy, rage, you know, things like that. Uh, I wish I could bring up the emotional scale, but I'm going to, it's going to take, actually, I'm going to try to find it for you right now. I talked about this in previous, previous episodes. I know this is probably some recap for a lot of people, but I want to go over it anyway, because I think this is important to the point that I'm making. Screenshots. Let me go through screenshots. Screenshots. I'm scrolling right now. I'm trying to find this pyramid of emotions. Okay. No, that's not it. That's a funnel. You know how sometimes they color the stages of the funnel? Okay. The pyramid of emotions. It goes from apathy to grief to fear to anger, courage, desire, then to purpose, and then to love at the top of the pyramid. And you notice the top of the pyramid is love. Okay. Love is an emotion that involves other people. Love is an emotion that involves selflessness and wholeness. If you're hurt and if you're in pain, the, f the last thing you're thinking about is love, okay? Think about the, like the Maslow's hierarchy needs. You start at the bottom, you start at physiological needs. Google the pyramid if you don't know the pyramid. You start at the bottom, you start at physiological needs, and then you go to like um, uh, safety needs, which is like financial security and um, financial security, a roof over your head. You know, things like that. You got to feel safe and secure, which a lot of people don't have that because you worry about rent at the end of the month. 73% of Americans, I believe, are living the check to check. So they're stuck at safety needs. Okay? So what do you feel when you're stuck and you don't know if you're safe? You feel lower emotions. You feel grief. You feel fear. You feel anger at the people who have things and are experiencing better. But as you go up the pyramid, you know, you go from safety needs to love and belonging. And suddenly, you know, whereas safety is something that's purely selfish. I want for me. I want for myself. Physiological needs. I want to eat. I want to drink. It's all about you. You start to become less selfless as you go up the pyramid. Okay? And so, you experience love and belonging. And then the next thing you experience is prestige. You know, it's just less selfish. Okay? I want, you start to recognize that other people exist and you start to care about their opinions. I wonder what this person thinks now that they're around me. Okay, I wonder what this person thinks. I want to be appealing to this person. You start to consider the ideas 
of other people okay and then after that it's a uh, self uh, the top of the pyramid is I believe self actualization that, that's that's what it was which is the realization of your highest potentials and manifesting them into the world and even beyond that on some of the scales the highest um, the highest position is self transcendence which is the epitome of selflessness is to go beyond yourself okay and so these higher levels of the pyramid are associated with some of these higher emotions to go beyond oneself self-transcendence to give to the world requires a love for other people so you get to the highest level of the pyramid that's when you start to feel purpose self-actualization what does you feel what is your, what is your purpose so you go and you start to feel this purpose you start to feel desire and then you start to feel love you know a lot of these businesses the way the reasons they are so they are such great magnitude is because they have a love and empathy for other people. And so they understand, therefore, the problems that they experience and how to solve them. You understand what I mean? Now, so the idea that I'm expressing here is that, you know, a lot of people, I feel like they are limited in, in the potential, uh, you know, in, in the potential aspect. I mean, they, they aren't, you know, realizing their maximum potential. And so it's keeping them from pushing out ideas that are actually from a place of love because all they're worried about is safety needs and, 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 and physiological needs and things like that. They haven't actually proceeded up to the pyramid and worked on themselves to the point where they can actually formulate ideas that are not tainted by the pain and the fear, the grief, apathy, and anger of their subconscious. Okay, and so we'll have a lot of ideas like these ideas that, you know, you know, uh, private property should be public property and we don't even realize the implications of them like a socialistic path a lot of people don't realize the implications of what that means for other people okay so if you're on if you've been an entrepreneur all your life which that's all it is a society without entrepreneurs if you've been an entrepreneur all your life you realize you've come up this pyramid you you've, you've started at a selfish place oh, I want to get money I want to get money I want to get money but as this company begins to grow you can listen to other speakers and business people like Russell Brunson he describes going from a place of uh, Agreed to a place of contribution when he realized, okay, I have enough money, my family's safe. Like he's he's literally described the process of going up to the top of the pyramid, having all his needs met, and then suddenly he starts to shift his focus. What does this business mean to the world? He starts to feel purpose. He starts to feel love. He starts to feel self-transcendence, self-actualization, and you start to think, what is what is you know what does these things mean to other people? And so the purpose of your business becomes more refined, and you start helping other people and, and, and building them up from scratch and bringing them to the place that you are okay but the society that some people within society imagines errat eradicates his hard work and his contribution to the world from existence okay people say oh you know one of the biggest problems is that you know we, we have we have um, you know fossil fuels are you know wrecking the you know, are contributing to climate change, and one of the the biggest contributor to uh, climate change as a whole is, you know, uh, I believe vehicles, uh, internal combustion vehicles, vehicles that are gas powered and things like that. You know, that run on fossil fuels. And the only person that has stuck out, stuck his nose out to solve this issue so far is Elon Musk. But at the same time, people suggest a, a social, uh, a political, and economic system that suppresses people like Elon Musk. You see what I'm saying? A lot of these ideas, they are, they are groomed, even if they start as good ideas initially, they are groomed by the pains, the fear, the grief, the anger, and the selfish desires that we feel, okay? If we're not actualized, if we're not meeting our full potential as a person, 
there will always be that danger. Okay? And so I want to move on to talk about... So, so basically what I'm saying in a nutshell is it's hard to channel your energy when you know you're crooked. Okay? And so most people are crooked. And so one of my biggest pet peeves is when people operate from that place of crookedness. When people are... And not because they're doing the wrong thing, but because that's literally how I'm cut. These people who are, who are, who are crooked, essentially, are bringing up loud, they're being loud, but devices at the same time, because they're subconscious, and all the, let's just call it the evils, for lack of a better word, are influencing the good, the good, you know, the, you know, their desire to commit good acts. You know, their good intentions are guided by a rotten core, is essentially what I'm saying, in a lot of different cases. No, not always, obviously, but in a lot of different cases. I know I'm kind of rambling right now, so I'm going to kind of bring it home. And I'm also repeating a lot of things in previous episodes, but I'm going to bring it home in this one. I'm going to bring it home in just a second. But, you know, my personality type, one of the reasons is my biggest pet peeve is my personality type is, um, if you follow the Myers-Briggs personality type, is INFJ. Okay? I want to read you the description of INFJ. I think everybody should first off take the Myers-Briggs test because it probably, you know, it's not a perfect test as nothing is a perfect test, but it'll explain to you, you know, it can, it can help connect a lot of the dots in your life that you weren't able to make sense of before. Like one of the biggest things in my life, one of the biggest contributing factors is, as I always say, I've always wanted to explain to people the things that I felt were right because I know how much it could help them. I know how much it could do for them. So when I see someone that's living below their t- potential, not realizing their maximum potential, not, not, not living in a place of self-actualization and self-transcendence, it hurts me to see that. It hurt, you know, you ever heard of the term survivor's guilt? You know, Kendrick Lamar in his song, You, talks about survivor's guilt, how he made it, but he feels so much, which he didn't feel before, because he was in a place of selfishness, because he was in a place of needing his physiological needs or his safety needs met, but now that he's at the top, he becomes altruistic, he, he goes to contribution, and this is the things that a lot of entrepreneurs feel. You know, as a ghostwriter, you know, I write people's stories, entrepreneur stories, and it's the same story repeating over and over again. There's the same patterns in all these entrepreneur stories. Okay, they start off at a place of I need money to solve my issues. I need money to 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 win, you know, to win it, like to look to look good, to stuff, whatever it is. It's these selfish things. But as they get, you know, more and more down that journey, and more of their needs become met, they start to head up that pyramid and reach a place of contribution or self transcendence. And that's why they want to write a book. They want to write a book because they know these ideas can help the people that were them. They start to care about other people. You know, the last person I was writing for, she was telling me that suddenly she felt the need to build programs and basketball courts and sports programs for the community because that's what she had when she was younger. Because now it's no longer about money. She has all the money in the world. What other purpose is there to the world other than themselves? They, they, they turn lens from, 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 from themselves onto others once all their personal needs are met. What reason is there for Jeff Bezos to get more money? He will never be broke. He will never need for a dime or a dollar again in his life. You know, he won the game. The game's over. So he has to play a new game. And the new game is to help and heal other people. But uh, I was waiting for this page to upload. But my personality has always been about helping and healing other people since I was younger. You know? And so my personality is the INFJ. So it's the advocate. Okay? And so here's the description uh, to the advocate. Um, I'm just going to read the page. 
An advocate is someone who's introverted, intuitive, feeling, and judging personality traits. They tend to approach life with deep thoughtfulness and imagination. Their inner vision, personal values, and quiet, principled version of human humanism. Their, their quiet, principled versions of humanism guide them in all things. Here's a quote from one of, from an INFJ: Treat people as if were if they were what? Okay, it says treat people as if they were what they ought to be, and you help them to to become what they are capable of being. The reason this personality type is called the advocate because it's about advocating for other people. It's about advocating for people to live better, advocating for people to feel better, advocating for people to be the best that they want to be or the best that they can be. Okay, advocates are the rarest personality type of all. Still, advocates leave a mark on the world. They have a deep sense of idealism and integrity, but they aren't idle dreamers. They take concrete steps to realize their goal and make a lasting impact. Advoc you know, I'm, this is not really what I, what I want to read right here. Okay, here's the part. Standing up for what's right. Advocates generally strive to do what's right, and they want to help create a world where others do the right thing as well. That's what it's all about. Okay? People with this personality type may feel called to use their strengths, including creativity, imaginative, sensitivity, to uplift others and spread compassion. Concepts like egalitarianism and karma can mean a great deal to advocates. I don't know what egalitarianism is, but I know what karma is. Uh, I'm not too big on karma. Advocates may see helping others as their purpose in life. And I do feel that way every single day I wake up. Like, I hate the way people undermine themselves, the way people don't believe in themselves. It grinds my gears because I, I was telling my girlfriend this the other day when we went to Raising Cane's, man. Everybody, I look at everybody and I see the Steve Jobs in them. I see the Steve Jobs in them because everybody has a piece of that. And I hate when people live and undermine and tarnish that Steve Jobs that they are because they all have it. Now, Maybe not everyone has it, but a lot of people do. Okay, they are troubled by injustice, and they typically care more about altruism than personal gain. I care about personal gain a lot, but I care about altruism too. As a result, advocates, advocates tend to step in when they see someone facing unfairness and hardship. Many people with the personality type also aspire to fix society's deeper problems in the hope that unfairness and hardship can become things of the past. This is like, this is like I remember reading this for the first time, and I know some of these things, like there's a psychological um, little psychological thing that a lot of horoscopes and zodiac sign readers do where they that they say things that are very broad in order for everyone to read them to feel like oh this is me this is this is definitely me but um if you take these person these Myers big personality tests like it's, it's crazy because they're not broad they're not generalized they literally a lot of the times are you to a T and, and it you know it, it makes it helps you make sense of a lot of the things and the decisions that you've made in your life Okay, but my life has always been about helping people, and so I have this DNA that makes me want people to be their best, be the best. I want to advocate for people, you know. And I realized one of the biggest problems that are going on in society is that people don't like people. The, the the greatest injustice against most people is their own self, is their own mind, is their own beliefs. People prey on and destroy themselves, and their limiting beliefs, and the way their limiting beliefs suppress them into a place of illness. Because everybody that's living in the first world country, you have unlimited life, unlimited happiness, unlimited joy, unlimited potential, unlimited whatever, you know, class mobility sitting right in front of you. You just got to take it. Okay, you can have and enjoy. Like, like I, I can stand out here right now and just, like every night, me and my girlfriend, we, we, we ride the coast and we go up and we sit on the beach and look up at the stars. I don't have a bank account, but we can still do this. Okay, just with the little money that we have, and it's a beautiful, deep, life-changing experience, 
and everybody that lives in a state with a beach can do this. You can walk outside right now and look up at the stars. It's people in life and times in history where you couldn't. We have unlimited potential and unlimited beauty. But what a lot of people do is that they fall victim to either a stream of consciousness that isn't their own or their own ideas, their own thoughts about what's possible in the world themselves. And so I believe I'm going to create a business this year that'll reach a billion dollars. I believe that. But a lot of people's minds simply won't allow them to accept that and register that as a possible and potential reality. And so they live thanks to that idea. They make, you know, it, it suppresses them into an a, a, a emotional level where the paradigm that they're operating from, you know, reinforces that which they believe. Okay, so you don't think you can make a hundred thousand. So, you know, you know, you, you because of things you believe, you're stuffed into like fear and insecurity. And because you have this fear and insecurity, you end up working at a job that you hate just to make money because you don't feel like you could quit that job and be something else. And that like it's like a self like it's like a, 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 a self-fulfilling prophecy, like a cycle that perpetuates itself over and over and over and over again. OK. And when you are when you when you have these false beliefs, you are. You, you, you submit yourself into a place where, you know, you're in this cycle, your self-perpetuating cycle of just negativity, of just self-suppression. And all the ideas and the beliefs that you have for the world are created from that cycle. Your crookedness, it's created from that crookedness. And so this creates that path of, of this creates that path that I'm talking about of, you know, that leads to hell of, you know, good intentions. Okay. And so because the people around me since day one, they want the best for me. But because they've suppressed their life so much from the things that they believe and everything that they experience and, you know, that are falling into place because of the things that they believe, um, you know, they'll come to me with their good intentions and it's a path to hell every single time. You understand what I'm saying? So they'll say things to me like, you know, I know you want to build this business. I know you want to be a rapper and make albums. But look, that path is hard because they want to protect me. They want to defend me because they have this fear in them, this belief about what's possible in life that they have projected on my life. And then they'll say, but, you know, um, you should just go to school first. If you want to do that, you should go to school for four years. Okay? And that would just lead me to where most people are. You know, people will say that over and over and over again. But the U.S. has less debt than overall student debt. <laughs> I believe I just read it like the other day, the U.S. has $20 trillion of student debt. And you'll see people on Twitter or on the internet who advocate for other people to go to school because that's the limit of their own reality. Just like, oh, I need to get out of this debt. Like, this debt is crushing me. This debt is killing me. You know, I've never seen $200,000 in my life. And people want me to put that on a dotted line for something that may not even recoup that. You see what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. It, it, it literally makes any sense, but that's the limit of some people's reality. And so they'll give me a path to hell. It's, besides, that's also wasted four years of my life that I could spend actually maximizing a skill without college, you know? And so, or they'll say, oh, you should get a job. Okay, you should do that on the side and just get a job. But then when eight hours of my day fly by, I don't have enough energy to actually work on the things that I care about like they do every single day. So. You know, they, they got one hour, two hours at the end of the day to work on their passion while I have 10. And then they wake up at 30, 40 years old and they have nothing to show for it because you can't make a living or you can't build a skill to, you know, to that fine of a point with two hours a day. They have good intentions in what they do. They have good intentions in what they suggest, but they're just at too low of a paradigm to actually suggest something that isn't destructive by its very nature. Okay. And so that's what's happening a lot. That's why the world is loud and it's getting louder 
but it's getting more divided because whereas you know there may be certain you know places in history where because of the class system and all that um and we're not even going to talk about that we're just more so now than any other time everyone has a voice and because everyone has a voice and 73 percent of people live in check to check 70 percent of people you know, it's not all about money because i'm living check to check also I'm, i don't have a job but anyhow 73 percent of people who are struggling in pain and poverty suddenly their ideas are being heard like that mass of people who weren't heard before because they didn't have a platform to be heard before social media suddenly that influx of ideas are running rampant in the world and they all have good intentions but because of the paradigm they're coming from because they're crooked what they're channeling isn't necessarily the most positive thing for the world because 73 percent of people are poor and living check to check and the extent of their reality is working in a nine to five all their life to 75 three percent of people in the world or on this you know in this country socialism will sound like a good idea okay but to the people who have broken past that paradigm of fear and insecurity and, and moved on to a place of life and of empowerment and they understand they can make anything they want in this society it allows for unlimited freedom if you can be poor you, if you want to be poor you can be poor if you want to be rich you can be rich these since these these people like you know they they understand the unlimited potential of life and how if they earn money and figure it out they can help other people like they've unlocked that paradigm. These people who haven't unlocked that paradigm because they don't understand it and because they're performing such, from such a negative and low place, all they seek to do is destroy people, like is, is to help the world, but they don't realize that they're inadvertently destroying people uh, of a higher paradigm that understand the true reality of how things are, okay? Now, I know this might be like a, a episode that's like all over the way, like, like it's going everywhere. I didn't intend it to be this type of episode, but uh, I just turn on like the thing and start start talking like start giving an anti-socialism rant. Um, yeah, so let me pause and actually rack my thoughts and, and close this one out. It's been it's been fun though. It's been a real fun one. So I appreciate everybody who's listening, coming along with this episode. Essentially, what I'm saying is it's it's in my DNA to hate when people undermine themselves. And I've seen the harmful effects of someone who's undermining and suppressing themselves on the ideas that they suggest towards other people. They're suppressive and harmful ideas by, by the very nature. You know, if you don't believe you can make $100,000 a year in a business, which is a very low number, but anyhow, you know, you're, you're, you're going to look at me and say, and when I suggest my plans and say, no, I don't think you can do that. Because what you think I can do is limited by what you think is possible here in this reality, which is obviously what you think is possible for yourself okay so um yeah you know we have to be louder but we have to bring people closer and one of the critical components of that is teaching people how to get their message out and how to rally people behind their message but the second component of it is teaching people how to be better it's teaching people how to be greater. It's teaching people how to break past all the false beliefs that they're experiencing and live to a higher paradigm, live in a higher potential. And, um, you know, I'm trying to remember the last point I had about this just to close it on out. And um, but in a nutshell, that's, that's not something that's happening in the world. And you can see like the trails of it, which is why, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring it all together right now. But you can see like the trails of it, uh, of, of a hurt and suffering people with a big ass microphone and so you'll listen to people that that 
that, that have vitriol towards billionaires. They call them billionaire bootlickers on the internet and things like that, which I'm a billionaire bootlicker, so, you know, it is what it is. You can hate me if you want. I, I advocate for a lot of billionaires. I think they're brilliant and, gener you know, generous and great people, and I think they contribute to society more than anyone else. Uh, you know, they aren't all flawless. A lot of them suck, and, you know, that, that's just the nature of the world. But, you know, I think a great majority of them are good people, same way a great majority of poor people even despite the principles I'm talking about, are great people, okay? But I think, you know, so so let, let me get back to the point and stop ranting. Um, and so, you know, they'll suggest things like, um, you know, they'll hate the billionaires, one, and the millionaires, the people who are rich, and they'll suggest things like socialism, okay? And someone who's suppressed in their own potential, in their own beliefs of what they can accomplish in the world, there is, like, you can see, like, the 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 you know what it is that they believe you can see like the trails the trails of their you, you can see um they leave clues in the wake of their statements and opinions is what i'm saying so is anyone who offers that socialism is the key to all our worries it's a projection that they don't you know because socialism you know means the dismantling of all private privately owned companies essentially you know it's the destruction and the poaching of entrepreneurship and designers within this world anyone who advocates for that system believes that they cannot be one of these people they don't believe they can be a billionaire or else you wouldn't want to get rid of them they don't believe that they can make business and be free and be a designer okay and so they want to get rid of them why would anybody want a socialistic society where the means of production is owned by the government instead of personal if you believe that you can build a personal means of distribution uh, and wealth that changes your life forever in order to believe in this idea idea like ideological set you have to not believe in the fact that you're capable you understand what I'm saying you know I remember the stimulus check situation came out uh, no, the tax, the Joe Biden tax situation came out and people were mad on Twitter like, why are they taxing us 60%? And then the majority of Twitterans, Twitter tweeters or whatever you call them, because the majority of them are idiots. I mean, but I like them. We're still friends and all that, but I'm just going to diss you because I think it's funny. You know, they come out of the, 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 the woodworks and they say, why are people complaining about a 60% tax? And making $18,000 per year. Making $20,000 per year. This is, You don't even know math. This is only for people who make $400,000 per year. Do you make $400,000 per year? Okay, you can see the person that makes $18,000 a year who's complaining about this tax projects a future where they possibly make $400,000 a year. That's, that's, what, that's what they're not picking up on. This person believes that this tax affects them in some way because they project a future where they where they are some where they are someone you understand if you don't have a problem with this tax if you don't have, which i don't you know i don't know how taxes affect you know people who are poor and all that so i'm not going to have directly a problem with tax necessarily but all i'm saying is people who are pointing out you don't make four hundred thousand dollars so why are you complaining it just shows that there's a clue in the wake of their statements and opinions that demonstrates they'd never believe in themselves to to be able to output a life where they make that amount of money when they have that amount of power and that amount of freedom and that amount of and that and that ability to help other people they believe in a life where they're trapped in a system and they're always poor i mean if you look at the people i grew up around if you look at black people from the city of baltimore 
you know, it's always somebody else. They can't be rich because it's, 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 it's the government or the white man or the man that's trying to hold them down. Or this, that, and the third. You know, notice they, you know, it's a clue there. They, they, they state people and things and hurdles that are out of their hands and that can't be corrected because they have no self-belief. They don't believe it's in their power and their ability to overcome. You know, people talk a lot about victim mentality, victim mentality. A lot of the world has a victim mentality. They think it's the billionaires that run the elements of their life. They don't think it's within them. They don't think they have the power. Okay. And until people believe that they have a power, until people believe they have control, until people have a sense of fulfillment, a sense of fullness in them, then all they can produce is roads that lead to hell. And it really just grinds my gears whenever I hear someone state something like, you know, people who have these plan A's, but you'll notice their plan B's will be a lot more detailed. Their backup plans will be a lot more detailed. Their backup plans will be a lot more at the forefront. Their plan B's will be their plan A's. And they'll talk so much about the classes that they'll take at school or, or the job that they're going to get if this doesn't work out or, you know, where they're going to work, how they're going to work, how it's going to feel. But they'll never detail their dreams in that light because they don't believe in them. People's subconscious speak so much of their false beliefs, of their fallibility, of the ways that they will always underperform. And I want so badly because it's within me for people to believe in themselves. I want people to feel the power, to feel the strength, to feel the potential, to feel like they can do anything and be anybody because that's the truth of the matter. Kanye West came from the hood and became a billionaire. I know people in my personal life, I don't want to say anybody's name, in a personal life that came from other countries you know like in a caravan of people with literally nothing in, but, but dirt to their name and became multi-millionaires I've seen it with my own eyes and if they can do it like you can't name if you realistically think about it you can't name one thing a single goddamn thing on this planet that's stopping anyone else like anyone in this country from becoming the best of this country the best and the most successful that this world has ever seen. You can't name a single factor because poor people have done it. People in worse situations have done it. In fact, I don't even think it's that hard. If you come up with a good idea and then go to a venture capitalist, a lot of them will put backing behind you. They say, oh, Mark Zuckerberg came from money. So-and-so came from money. This person came from money. It doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter? Because they didn't use that money in the first place. They just went to an investor that actually had money and got it. You know, even poor business owners, even poor people who are successful, a lot of them, quote unquote, came for money because their investor daddy lended it to them. Anyone has access to it. You know, it's not an exclusive club. Anyone has access to it. It does not discriminate. Anybody can go make a sale. Anybody can pick up the phone. You know, people say, oh, man, I got, you know, I got all these barriers against me in this country, man. 80, no, let's say 100 years ago, I think it was. You know, a hundred years ago, the first millionaire in a way worse time for anybody in your race or whatever. Now, you might have a significant amount of difficulty in this time period if you're one of the newer minorities, if you're one of the newer discriminated people, but even you can do it. Now, when I say newer discriminated people, like people like, like, like if you're gay, if you're trans, for example, don't, you, you might have a harder time and I don't understand your struggle right now. But I'm learning about your struggle. I, I, don't, I don't understand what the potential and capabilities are in the hurt and not the potential and capabilities. I don't know what the, what the, what the, what the hurdles are for people with, are within this class. And so I might not necessarily be able to speak towards 
you being able to overcome the turmoil that you're going through. But I believe, this is just my belief, that you can do anything even still, no matter who you are. You know, there's somebody that's rocking with you. You know? Now, what I was saying is in the 1920s, the first black millionaire, millionaire in the 20s, where money was, you know, a million dollars is worth a lot more than a million now, was a black woman. If a black woman in the 20s, because black women are, you know, in the 20s, probably face a lot more discrimination than anybody in the modern day today. Like I said, other than exclusive groups that we're talking about, I don't know what they go through. They probably go through a hell of a lot, okay? You know, then anybody in this era can do it. Because you're not discriminated as much as she was. You're not treated as poorly as she was. You don't have the barriers she did. And she made a million when a million meant a lot more than it does today. If she made it, how dare you come up here and say you can't do it? Come on now. Come on now. Now, there's a possibility she just might be astonishingly more brilliant than you are. But she's not the only one. You can't say all of them were extremely bright. You know, they might have, at least one of them was average. Come on now. And even if you're astonishingly bright with the shit she had to go through, I know, the, the, you know, her, her, her path to victory is probably just about even as your path because she's way brighter than you, but she had to go through a lot more. So it kind of, it's like a balance. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. I wish people would believe in themselves and watch how it is you talk watch how it is that you talk about your goals and the things that you believe in and your, your plans for the future because it will unveil for you what you believe can actually happen that's all i have to say in this episode so everybody thank you for listening uh this dallas prater from the grand design um if you like this episode rate subscribe comment all those things i don't you know i have a facebook group for people who are against you know the stamping out of individuals like us who are against forms of censorship and cancel culture now some people are canceled and censored rightfully so because they're absolutely fucking crazy but you know just sensible people who are against that stuff in a reasonable way it's called surviving the cancel it's a facebook group that i have without that without further ado man i have nothing else to say in this episode i'm closing it out thank you guys terrible news a bunch of crazy socialists just decided they didn't like your opinions or your ways of life that much you have 30 days to build a counter movement of supporters before they cancel your business and your livelihood crashes and burns. How is it given 30 days we create a counter social movement around your business, turning your customers into true fans in the process and rally enough support to survive the cancel? Interesting question, right? That's the exact question I asked 30 insane entrepreneurs who've actually done it before. That's right. I gathered some of the top minds in business some with millions of followers behind their social movements and recorded their answers for the world to hear on a free live summit I'm hosting. Interested in hearing their answers? Well, you can register for the free summit, the Surviving the Cancel Summit at survivingthecancel.com. Wait, so why are you still here? Aren't you interested in how some of the sharpest minds to ever exist in business are actively creating social movements around their business? that shape the literal culture, the literal world that we see around us visually every single day. Like this summit is going to be absolutely insane. These business moguls, whatever you want to call them, are going to step by step outline exactly how in 30 days they will unlock the hidden social movement within their business to one, destroy cancel culture, and to two, 
affect their customers and clients on such a deep level that they become evangelists for their message. It is going to be insane stuff and you do not want to miss this one. So again, the summit is at www.survivingthecancel.com. So come and finally learn the difference between being a marketer, someone who can create sales and being something else, someone who actually can make an impact in this world.